Welcome to Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. Today's podcast is sponsored by this month's webinar, Why Every Scanner User Needs an SDR, the number one underrated tool that should be in your setup. This free live webinar has been rescheduled and is now set for March 23rd, 2021 at 8 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. Virtual seats are still limited, and you can sign up at scannerschool.com slash webinar. If you're listening after the newly rescheduled webinar date, you can catch the replay at scannerschool.com slash webinar. All the notes from today's podcast can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 168. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Blurpy Benner, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, David C., Denny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Eddie K., Edward Bramblett, Evan Barak, Gary Fletcher, Guy Lee, James Broxson, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, Jim Heinrich, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Kroger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Robert, Robert Kanzler, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Tim Mazza, Ted Glendie, and William R. Cand. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Hi, my name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE, and let me say welcome to Scanner School. This podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. And as a reminder, we are looking to help you with your scanner radio questions. If there's something that about this hobby that has you stumped, has you stumbling over something, right? Fill out the form on our website. We can answer your question on an upcoming podcast. Fill out the form or click on the speak pipe button at scannerschool.com slash ask, or even leave us a voicemail, 516-308-2885. We'll answer your question on a future Ask Scanner School episode, which releases on the first Tuesday of every month. And one lucky person will receive a free tutoring session if they leave us a voicemail or speak pipe question. Again, scannerschool.com slash ask. Now, if this is your first week joining us for class or your weekly listener, welcome to this week's podcast. Today, we have Greg Weimer on the podcast, and today's topic is Greg's idea. See, Greg reached out to me via the Scanner School website, and he clicked on the guest button on the top of the screen. 
And if you have an idea for the podcast and you would like to be a guest, I hope that you will do the same. See, Greg is here today to talk about how he uses his software-defined radio in place of a traditional scanner. Greg's current location has simulcast issues, and by using an SDR, it's one of the cheapest ways to overcome issues with P25 simulcast reception issues. So, without any more delay, let's just jump in today's conversation between myself and Greg, and I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed speaking with Greg. Greg, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on today's podcast. And more importantly, I want to thank you for actually reaching out to me with this idea for a podcast, which I think is a perfect idea being where we are right now in our, our podcasting series. So, uh, Greg, thank you so much for being a guest on today's podcast. Hey, Phil, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, um, it's all my pleasure. So you reached out to talk about software-defined radios, which is exactly where we are right now in our podcasting journey. But before we get there, let's get a little bit of a background. What is your background with uh, the scanner radio hobby? My, my quick background uh, would be been mildly interested in, interested in off and on throughout the years. Started when I was a kid. Uh, my grandparents had a, a Bearcat Electra 4 crystal scanner, 8-channel. And, uh, you know, you'd be able to hear the uh, police calls and fire calls on that when I was younger. And I always thought that was pretty cool. Got in my teens and I was able to get a hold of a Bearcat 210, 10-channel digital. Uh, so more of that, kind of similar thing. And then back in the late 90s, I treated myself back in the day to a Sportcat 150. And I think that had 10 banks of 10, if I remember right. I haven't looked at it in a few years, but... And it had aviation on there. I wanted that. And it had all just had great coverage. And of course, that was back well before anything digital happened. So, and uh, maybe 10 or 15 years after that, I kind of just got out of it and haven't spent much time with it. But uh, I've gotten more into it lately and uh, got my amateur license, amateur radio license a few years ago. So I've started playing around more with it lately. Yeah, congratulations on getting your ham ticket. That That's always a, a bonus. And sometimes these hobbies, they kind of go hand in hand and one leads into the other. Uh, sometimes they start in the ham and come back to scanning or scanning going to ham. But it's uh, it's one of those deals. They they kind of go nicely together. So are you still using that same hardware? I mean, because I'm looking over my shelf over there and I can see a Bearcat 4 over there, the old Electra uh, crystal control scanner. And I never had a sports cat, but uh, I remember that. It's, it's put in the picture in my head, right? That's the one with the, the blue faceplate with the, the giant up and down arrows, I believe it was. But um, if I remember correctly, but th those were all, you know, great radios during the day. So good choices. Yeah, the, the sport cat was black. Um, it's handheld. They kind of promoted it a lot as you could listen to NASCAR with it. I think they also had a yellow version of it. Okay. Bright yellow. They had a rubber ducky, BMA, a BNA connector on there. It worked great. It had, tr it had definitely had trouble with uh, what's known as Intermod. So I would, I, cause at the time I was living in, uh, Minneapolis and there's just, of course, you know, lots of RF there and it would have trouble with that once in a while. But, you know, that was the late nineties. Right. And don't forget too, you had paging that was very big back then too. So if you were in a busy area like that, you were just getting swamped and, and slammed in all directions. So, but, uh, nice setup. And what are you using today? Today, I believe it or not, do not have a hardware scanner at all. And part of the reason of that is uh, I had a BCD 325P2 for a while, maybe a year mm -hmm. ago, and I bought that used. And you kind of know where I'm going with this. Um, I, I, I know. I can tell exactly where <laughs> you you're know going. Where so I'm going. Go. <laughs> Living here in, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area, I had simulcast problems. And I was also messing around with, the, with the, my first SDR experience, which was Unitrunker. 
And uh-huh. I noticed I was here. I was hearing things that the scanner would just not pick up, or it would pick up quickly then drop. And then I, it might have been around the time I heard your podcast talking about simulcast issues. I said, "That's got to be it." I, I just and as time's gone on, I just can't fight it here in this metro area. It's just you're going to have to be software defined. So I and I sold that. I do not have a hardware scanner right now. Okay, but again, it sounds like. You don't need one because from from what you're name dropping right now, it sounds like you've got a pretty good solution to uh, to help you out with that one. So you kind of got suckered or, or sucked, not suckered, sucked into the SDR side of the hobby out of necessity. Yeah, that and I was you know just starting to play around with these RTL SDR dongles, mm-hmm. following the websites and the and the Twitter feed for the, um, them. And the more I played with them, I'm like, oh, you, I, you know, I ran into Unitrunker. Like I really want to be able to listen to this P25 Phase One system we have in the in the metro area, and because uh, everything's on it, right? So I started playing around with the unit trunker. That's that's what started, and, and it it worked okay. It was my first experience with P25 SDR trunking. I just had two dongles at the time. You set one up for the voice channel, one other for the control channel, and uh, it was in Windows Windows environment. So I was familiar with Windows. So that was my first start. I was going to say first mistake, but no, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know a thing about Linux back in the day. So I'll, I'll right. as we talk, I'll tell you a little more about the journey. I struggled with Unitrunker. I could never get it to work really that well. The early dongles I have weren't, you know, the temperature compensated type now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're constantly drifting around and I couldn't tell, is it on the control channel? Is it drifting? And it didn't seem like there's any active development by the developer. You needed the virtual audio cable to feed out the digital signal into DSD Plus for decoding. So it, it took a fair amount of configuring to get it to work uh, at, at all. Right. Now, that was Unitrunk of version one, right, that you, that you were uh, playing around with? Right. And I've heard that there's mm-hmm. some other version of it out there that's actively being developed. Yes. All, all of his attention is being done on Unitrunk of version two. And let me tell you, it is light years above and beyond where Unitrunker 1 is currently at. But again, it's, it's all alpha release. So it's, it's constantly being patched and debugged. And of course, when you patch something, you introduce more bugs. And um, if you look at the Unitrunker website, I think he's got a link to version 2. And that one is only built around software-defined radios. So um, even the UI looks a whole lot different. It's a lot cleaner and easier to read, and the font type is 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 crisp. So if you haven't looked at Unitrunk in a while, it may be time just to go ahead and revisit that for a little bit. But uh, he's he's actively doing some developments. In fact, he even came up with some numbers of how many release candidates he came up with last year. And I don't want to say the wrong number, but he was saying that it's going to be a very hard number to match this year because they came up with so many revisions last year so very very active with development is, is that a is that a fee-based solution then no it's all free no it's okay it's, if, um yeah it's it, you definitely go to unitrunker.com and i think you go to uh look for the link for version two but if you're also on google groups he has a a google group that he runs and you know rick will let you right in on that one and that's where he kind of uh, spills the beans as far as what's coming, what's what's being developed, what's on the table, what's getting backburnered, and a lot of people are just having discussions on there. Can't get it running, or they see this is a problem. So it's it's a really good. It's just a mailing list basically, but you see a lot more on there than you see on website forums as far as what's going on with Unitrunker. Okay, I 
sounds like I need to check that out. I, I, I checked on it last night and I'm still hitting on the old website. It looks like last development was 2015. So okay. yeah, I need to check that out. Yeah, definitely check it out. My next experience. So I had, I'd struggle with that. And the next one I, I ran into was something called SDR trunk. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you've alluded to this once in a while. I liked it a lot more. I found it easier to configure than unit trunker. It had a spectrum and waterfall display. So you could see how centered you were on the control channel, better user interface. It was platform agnostic, so you could be it on Windows or a Linux machine. Built-in digital digital decoding, so it's nice. I didn't have to mess around with the virtual audio cable and decoder. And it had all kinds of, it could do all kinds of digital modes. Uh, you know, it did phase one, phase two, LTR, and others that I'd, I'd never heard of. Um, looks like it does LTR. And uh, didn't do DMR, but there's there's plenty of other subtypes in there. Mm-hmm. You could turn off and on, you could turn, it was all, all these, all these software defined radios have one thing that's very frustrating is a lot of the user interfaces aren't the greatest, greatest and importing talk groups from radio reference is a challenge. It's got to be formatted, right? It's got to be a, either an XML file or a JSON file. And there's plenty of time. I've spent hours and hours getting that formatting, right? Right, right. But you could turn off and on banks of of the talk groups, which was nice. Mm -hmm. And you could record. And I think you could stream from it, too, if you wanted to stream to your local network. Yes, Trunk uh, or STR Trunk or Trunk STR allows you to do that and create playlists, too, which is cool. So you can just look at one talk group. And um, you you run the version now that basically watches like every frequency that the SDR can cover and just watches all those talk groups that are in that spectrum or was that before so at the time i only had two dongles and i didn't even okay. have the temperature compensated that dongles and oh yeah that's right yeah okay yeah and it worked pretty well and there's i was catching a lot of stuff and i used it for quite a while and w- one of my main goals was i really wanted to get this so i could run this like on a raspberry pi and just keep it on 24 7 and mm-hmm. pull it up as i wanted to if i wanted to be pulled up on the tablet or the phone i could just listen to it versus i gotta go down and sit in front of the computer and listen to it there Yep. Gotcha. I know exactly where you're going with your project. Yep. <laughs> this yep. is going to be an exciting podcast. <laughs> and, and also yeah. too, and, and, and just so people who are listening right now that you don't get, you know, that sour taste for SDRs, we're talking right now about the early versions of software defined radio, the early hardware, the earlier software. There's been plenty of hardware development between what sounds like the time when you started and also when I started. And uh, you're right. The original, the original hardware was, was ridiculous. It was great because it was new and it did something very exciting. But it was a challenge to get configured exactly right. And you were always tweaking it to bring it back onto center. I don't know if you started around the same time I did, but I used to use DMR decode to decode DMR uh, transmissions. And in order to do that one, you had to load CYGYN on your computer, which was like a Linux emulator that ran on top of Windows. And then once you had that running, then you had to load DMR decode on top of that. And also, I think DSD Plus at the time, maybe it was just DMR decode, but you had to you had to run all this stuff before you can get there, right? Yeah, you had to train the computer to know how to run the software. Even early days of like Trunker eighty eight, which was just a Motorola Type two and type, I think it was a Type one, but it's definitely a Type two trunk tracker. Again, that one eventually had had the ability to run an SDR, but you still had to run this Java library that that ran first. And that was mostly a DOS-based program. So there was a lot of things that you had to do and had to do right in order to 
just tune anything <laughs> analog based basically on your SDR. I mean, those days are thankfully behind us, but um, you had to be dedicated, right? When, when you got started in order to do this. Yeah. And, that, and it makes me think back to when I was running, you know, I'd be running units trunker and I'd have DSD coder, the DSD decoder in the, in the other window. And I'd see you know, as it's flowing by, you can see the signal strength and signal strength would go high. It would drop and it would just, you know, you get broken transmissions or you get, you know, garbled transmissions because the signal wasn't very good or it wasn't centered. And it was frustrating, but yeah, I spent, I spent a lot of time on that, as you probably did too. I spent I spent hours building discriminator taps to to run into Unitrunker and also into uh, I believe that DSD Plus at one point allowed you to bring audio in from there as well. I, I remember playing around with that for quite some time, but yeah, there was there was a whole a whole window where this was just all brand new and exciting, and, and uh, where we are now, I think I still think that you know that was the epicenter, right? But we're still at the, at the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what's what's coming. And I think that there's a whole the whole world of the development that's 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 still to come when it comes to SDR. But it's still ground floor right now. You know, for anybody who's just starting out now, you just saved yourself the headache. That's all you did. <laughs> you know, guys like me and you, yeah. uh, Greg, it's you know, we've 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 spent a couple of nights banging our heads against the wall. It would have been easier to go out to the garage and slam our thumbs with a hammer. But uh, but we did it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's many nights like you look at the clock. Okay, it's nine o'clock. Okay, look at it again. Okay, it's yes. eleven. It's like uh, I got to work tomorrow. I've spent way too much time on this, but that's part of the fun. I think is the challenge, and when it does work, uh, it, it's you know it's self rewarding, and you're learning stuff, and that's yes. that's never a bad thing. Right, right, and that's that's exactly it. I mean, you're looking at things with a software-defined radio that typically is transparent to the end user, right? We don't see things like a waterfall display or, you know, the magic eye, you know, when you're looking at P25 or even the upper layer management control of a trunk system, right? Unitrunker doesn't show all that information. I mean, I used the old uh, Pro96Com when I was also using Unitrunker when I was feeding scanners in with the serial ports, right? Again, a lot of that stuff now is all yesterday's product there's no need to have to go out and spend 300 and something dollars on a scanner just to plug it into a computer so you can watch a control channel i mean now it's 30 bucks so it's it's the entry point is like just do it (laughs) yeah and you know as far as these rtl dongles i've gotten into now as 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 my journey's got on i've gotten into the temperature compensated ones and Mm -hmm. it's one of those things i'm not going back because right you don't have to mess with this drifting. You, you know, PPM correction is zero. It's fine. It's it's stable. It gets hot. It doesn't drift uh, like my, the, some of the older RTLs, uh, SDRs I have. So it's it's a big difference. Yeah, it's 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 definitely matured. And and again, the, the the things keep changing, right? I mean, just recently the they had replaced the chipsets in these uh, these RTL dongles as well. It's the same chip, just different number basically, and. Things will just keep improving as as things happen, and more and more people are doing different things with them. And I think that we're going to see uh, things will definitely be better. But uh, so, how many RTL SDR dongles are you? Do you have set up right now? Like eight of them. <laughs> oh, something like eight of them. Yeah, something like eight of them. Because I'm running a Raspberry <laughs> Pi with an ADSB uh-huh. receiver, and I've got three of them hanging off of that. Okay. Just because I'm watching the ADSB 1090 ES and 978 UAT. So I'm, I got both those, and I'm both feeding those into Pyware, and I'm running uh, virtual radar 
web server off there and I do some stuff with take that and put it into an SQLite file and do some analytics on it. It's really easy and I'm not a developer, but it's mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty interesting what you can do at home with free software anymore. Yes. Yeah, it is. So you've got three on a Raspberry Pi. Where else do you have other SDRs plugged into? I've got another Raspberry Pi down here in the in the office here. I've got that's the one I've kind of used as my development experimental one. I've got okay. three others off uh, on my old laptop. It's like a twelve year old bare bones laptop, and that is the one I'm running the what I call the Cadillac of SDR radios right now, and that is Trunk Recorder. Okay, which I believe is OP25 based on. If I'm if I understand things correctly, and uh, it's trunk recorder kind of combination with I don't know if you've heard of something called RDIO scanner. Yes, haven't heard that in a while, but yes. And what it is is, I love it. It it does something that that I don't even think the SDS 100 or 200 does. The way trunk recorder works is really different than these other ones work. Is you need enough RTLs to cover your spectrum. So like for my area, like my site that I'm monitoring, there's 10 megahertz I need to cover to cover all the voice channels and the the control channels. So I need basically four SDR RTLs because each one's what, two and a half megahertz. Close to it. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to, you get, and this is where, and when trunk recorder is probably the most difficult to configure. I've spent a lot of time. I've given a nine out of 10 as far as difficulty. It's, <laughs> uh, it's got JSON files that need to be just perfect, right. both on the trunk recorder and the RDIO scanner page. But what's great about it is there's one killer app about it. And that is, it isn't just monitoring the control channel. And then when it sees a call in your talk group and jumps over to that talk group, it's monitoring all the, the voice channels at the same time. Yes, it's a, it's, and that's how the Broadcastify ingest server is basically set up and doing this now. Yeah. It's, it's and, amazing. And you can feed it from Trunk Recorder. Yes. Yep. And, and I love that. So I've got, with my setup, I've got 20, quote, virtual recorders. And, and the RDIO scanner is a web interface that takes this feed and has a great UI. You can turn talk groups on and off. You can, it, re, it stores them and records them and it queues them up. Say, say there's a, yes, a call. Yes, that's the beautiful on, thing. It, yes. And if there's a call on fire dispatch and there's another call on state police, normally, correct me if I'm wrong, on an SDS or are you going to miss that second call, right? You're, yeah, because you can only monitor one voice path at a time or one frequency at a time. So when the scanner leaves the control channel to go to the voice channel, it then goes back to the control channel after A, the transmission drops off that trunk talk group, and B, when your delay timer is satisfied. Right. So yes, you would miss that on, and that's why people run with multiple scanners, but I'll let you continue. Yeah, that's exactly say. That's what I quote the quote unquote pros do is they have a bank of scanners set up in a rack and they just monitor certain bands or certain certain searches so that so they don't miss anything. With with this app, you don't miss anything. And it's and you can see the and depending on how many you're watching, you can see the numbers queuing up. You can see your calls queuing up. So you don't miss anything. I just love that. And plus, then I can use, and because of the way the audio streaming is set up, I can use it anywhere in the house. I can pull up the tablet, pull up the phone. I can just listen, start it right there and, and listen to it. 
Right, because it's a web interface. Right. There's no special, no special hardware or requirements. As long as you can surf a web, you can monitor that. And my, I mean, I've seen development, you know, with OP25 through, uh, through a couple of people that are making their own web interfaces. So you can just do exactly that. So instead of using, you know, the, the standalone web interface, you actually have what looks like a heads up display. Yep. And the same controls that, uh, that you'd have on a hardware, but through a tablet interface. Right. Exactly. And like I say, I think OP25 is the foundation for trunk recorder because I've dug through some of the directory structure and I see it in there. Okay. Because OP25 is great too, but it behaves like a regular scanner does. It's watching the control channel. It sees it. It's, I think, virtually scanning through your list of talk groups and says, oh, fire dispatch jumps to the frequency. You hear that call and then it jumps back to the control channel. What's nice about like OP25 is you only need one dongle mm-hmm. because it's just going to jump back and forth. So you can, and it, it, it's not hardware intensive. You can run that on a Raspberry Pi all day, every day and have a web interface. The trouble is you don't have audio going over the web. They have it. There's things in there and on the developers page, there's, they run something called IceCast, which is another streaming mm-hmm, service. Mm-hmm. The trouble with that is, it's delayed. It's delayed by yes. two or three seconds behind what you're visually minimum, seeing. Minimum, minimum. Drove me just nuts. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, there's got to be something better. And I haven't. And when I found Trunk Recorder, I'm like, they've solved it. And and along with this RDIO scanner, it's it's nice. It's and and RDIO and it's got the ability to you know, RD, a Trunk Recorder has archives, so you can hey, I can go back seven days, two days as much as you want. You can all configure that in those JSON files. The frustrating thing, like I said, is those JSON files are very touchy. Yes. One, one comma, a quotation, something out of the way, and it's crash. It won't, and like I say, I'm not a, I'm not a Java developer. It, you know, the answers, when it crashes, it's kind of cryptic. So you got to search around the web and say, what does this mean? What's, oh, I had a, didn't have a quote here, or I forgot a colon. Yep. That'll do it. So. But yeah, that's, that's my favorite right work now. On that. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, when I first started with Trunk Recorder, you had to put the Java runtime environment on. And if you went to a Java runtime environment that was too new, you couldn't, ro- uh, you couldn't load Trunk SDR. You had to fall back to the older version of it. And it was the old version of Trunk SDR was a real, again, like anything else, was a real pain in the neck to set up. So I don't know if you've updated lately. I mean, lately it's it's really nice and really easy to set up, but um, the older version was real was a real pain. So um, I don't know what flavor you're running or when you last did an update. Uh, maybe a few months ago. And I, I know both okay. Trunk, well, especially RDIO scanners under active development. So yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's nice to see. Any of these that are getting active development is, is nice to see. Yes. And again, it's, I think it's where it is right now. There's just, there's so many things out there that are doing a lot of the same stuff that, um, you know, there's room for it though, because again, it's, it's a free piece of, uh, software and, and, uh, it does allow for people to pick and choose which one they want and everything kind of runs together and each one has a strength and each one kind of has a weakness. So there's a strong point for trunk SDR. There's a strong point for unit trunk. There's a strong point for DSD plus there's OP 25 and there's others that we didn't even mention yet, but, uh, but yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So. Yeah. It's, and you probably can kind of guess where I'm on. I know what I'd really love out of, an SDR setup and uh, anyone out there in the Uniden product development community, <laughs> here it is. I want 
I've got a, an, an RSP, uh, one of those SDR Uno RSP 1As. Mm-hmm. Great $100 SDR radio. Great frequency coverage, 10 megahertz bandwidth of coverage at one time. So it's just, it's, it's a big step up from an RTL SDR or, and there's a bunch of other ones, Hack RF and, and, um, yep, yep. make the software interface that just ties into that box and put the trunking in there, put the decoding in there. They come up with that. I'll be like, please take my money. Cause I really think that's, <laughs> I really think that's where the next, SDR development is going to be. It's going to be on your computer. You're going to plug a USB cable into one of these boxes and mm-hmm. everything else is going to be software. They can change the user interface around. They can add different types of decoding for DMR, whatever, NXDN, even if it's a enter a code, buy a code and, and enter it in. I think it might be the last, SCS 100, 200 might be the last fully hardware-based radios around. It'll still be I, a I wouldn't portable be version. Yeah. But if you right. want a home version, I think it's just going to be software you download and hook it into a box. That, that's that's kind of like the point we're at now with the software you download and you just plug it into a box with the you know the the software defined radio. But yep. you're right though. If somebody came along that was a developer that was a commercial product, maybe bought the rights to some of these. Um, just speculating here, folks. Right? Just bought the rights to some of the of of the software that's being developed now, and 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 took that under their umbrella or. Yeah, again, too. I my my theory in the scanner radio world right now is that you'll continue to see software. I mean, hardware developed by Uniden and, and hopefully Whistler, but somebody somewhere is going to make a box, a black box that's that has a touchscreen display on it that is SDR driven. And again, maybe it's somebody that has a Raspberry Pi with the Zero, which is a really tiny one that has an RTL mini on it that has the SMA connector to go to an antenna and a touchscreen display. You don't really need much more than that. Or they've got two RTL dongle mini dongles in there that are wide connected to a to an antenna. This way you can monitor control channel and voice channel. Again, it's it's really going to be something somewhere. And somebody actually does. I think it's um these guys are going to kill me now. There is there is a P twenty was it P twenty five X or something like that. There is a black box out there now that does phase one trunking all through a black box, and you just run their web interface, which again is OP twenty five based, and it does allow you to do that. I, I just can't think of the name of the um, the interface box right now, but you know stuff like that is is and again too you go back to the old days like the ICOM computer controls hardware and, and the A uh, was it the um, Win Radio. And stuff like that, right? I mean, it was still black box. You had the computer controlled interface, but you're always limited by what that hardware was, right? If you wanted PL and your hardware didn't support PL, you were up the creek. Whereas with today's SDRs and software d- dongles, you want PL, you just enable it in the software, right? You now it's it's just the interface. It's where the rubber meets the road, basically, in your RF environment, right? Yeah, and 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 to the manufacturers out there, I, I think they've got to get on this because you look at what the what the open source free community is doing it, and these people are just doing it for free and putting this stuff out in GitHub. And mm-hmm. if they keep updating it and revising it, it just it does nothing but get better. They fix bugs, they add features. If they would get to the point where some of these developers would start adding dialog boxes in there, where it make it really, you know, just keep improving the GUI and the usability, it's. Um, it's going to change things. Yep. 
Yep, and I'm 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 pretty set on on somebody's going to shake the market up with with a third party, and I don't know I don't know who the third party would be. I mean, some people say it would be Unication with the the leak that they have that has that uh, that page that looks like a scanner, but I think somebody somewhere is just going to say, "Hey guys, you know, here's my Kickstarter campaign, and this is what mm-hmm. I'm going to be working on." And and I've already said publicly too, if somebody's got a Kickstarter like that, I'll I'll back that, right? Because that's that to me is is awesome. But again, we're at a point right now where it is a time investment, right, to set up your your software-defined radios. There is always going to be that market for the easy way, right? So if somebody just wants to take it out of the box and turn it on, and again, you and I, we don't mind sitting there and, and poking away at something on a computer, but I mean, nine times out of 10 too, if somebody were to give us a box and say, hey, this will do everything you're trying to waste an entire weekend doing, guess what I'm going to do? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and it sounds oh. like it's almost already there. And if you've got you know play applications like Sentinel, which are program you know used for programming the radios, mm-hmm. you bolt that on to some other software that's doing the decoding and and right. ability to trunk it. I mean, you're there. Yep. Yeah, I know my my project that I want to work on. I know somebody's working on something very similar to this. So, is and I'm not saying I I want to do the exact same thing. I'm just saying in in in, in theory here in New York State, it is illegal to have a scanner in your vehicle, right? You can have a radio in your car that's capable of picking up outside of the spectrum. And this was in order to get amateur radio operators the ability to put their own radios in a car, right? Because we all, you and I both know that the typical ham transceiver will receive outside of the ham bands. So that little blanket doesn't make every single amateur radio two-way radio illegal to have in your vehicle. Again, it would also protect anybody with GMRS, but I don't think it's written that way. But anyway, the way that I read the, the law is even if you have the amateur license, and people read it differently, but you can't have a scanner in your vehicle. But I don't have a scanner in my vehicle if I have a Raspberry Pi with an RTL dongle on. That's not a scanner. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Not and you know where I'm going with this yeah. thing. Yeah, I know exactly right. where you're going. So now if I mount that in my vehicle and then use my phone's web interface to connect or Bluetooth over to my Raspberry Pi running OP25 and I start streaming scan lists that I have, I don't have a scanner in my car. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it is. And again, what really worried me about SDRs up front when we first started, got started with those DVB dongles and the and the garbage hardware was that somebody was going to realize that this hardware was available and they were going to put the stop to it. Now, how many years has it taken for Baofeng is still on the market with with their radios and what their radios can do? And Amazon's finally starting to put some language into play about their radios. And it's been how many years? So I think that we still have plenty of time before somebody wakes up on you know, the RTL SDR world. But again, the scanner radio world was pretty quiet until somebody decided to do something stupid with it to the wrong person. And then all of a sudden a law is created. Right. And, so, right. and that's how things happen. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's an interesting world right now where it comes to the hobby. And uh, again, there's software out there. Basically, if you want to do it with a radio, there's software out there that can kind of help you along. Now, we're not, about, we're not talking about encryption or decryption. Again, OP25 allows you to plug modules into the software flowchart, but it still requires you to have the key. So it's not doing anything you know, illegal anyway. But again, some of the things that you can do with, with uh, 
SDR software that or and, and hardware that you can't do at a commercial based scanner is stuff like Tetra decoding, right? Or or the other methods of LTR, even was it MP thirteen twenty seven, I think is it MPT thirteen twenty seven, I think is the other one that there's no hardware out there that does it, but your SDR can. Even telemetry based type of things and and pogsag and, and you know yeah. even two tone detect right I mean right. even something as simple as that say scanners will allow you to work as a pager and and play audio but two tone detect allows you to take your radio and pipe it into your computer and then record the audio and then you can send it out to a tr- transcription service or email you the file and again you can just use SDR Sharp with you know virtual audio cable to feed that in and again, you're off to the races. So there's a lot of stuff you can do. Yeah, well, and, and as you know, I mean, SDR, whether it be an RTL dongle or an RSP or some other, you know, hack RF, that's just receiving the signal. It's not doing mm-hmm. any decoding or processing. It, it just dumps the raw INQ, uh, feeds it through some conversion so you can feed it into a USB cable. And the rest is all in the computer that's doing all the manipulation, the decoding and whatever. So the real technology is in the software. And the user interface exactly. and how that works. Yes. That's that's where the gold is. Yes. Yep. And that's that's the software and the software defined radio. Yeah. <laughs> so. And that that's and it's limitless. Like I say, you can change user interfaces around, you can do the decoding, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's pretty interesting. There's no doubt any radio in any of the future, whether it be amateur or whatever, is going to have some software defined component to it. It's just and that's what we're seeing too. Like even in the amateur world, is uh, the higher, the very high end ICOM and Yaesu radios. And I think even the new Kenwood now is um, they've all got software defined radios in it, right? You've got that waterfall display as you tune around the the, the uh, HF dial to see where you know existing QSOs might happen to be. So you're not just scanning a dial; you're actually watching something over time with the waterfall. So so that makes things very cool. And I, I definitely think that software defined radios will be will be more of uh, what's under the hood, you know, I mean, like today, like compared to a car, right? You're going from eight cylinders down to eco six cylinders down to four cylinders now electric, you know, and it's one better than the other. Well, you know, they keep changing the technology. So do you need, I don't know, I still like my Hemi. I, I really am, am going to cry when I have to give it up, but still it's what's under the hood is, is changing. So yeah, and 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 even not to get off track, but in the HF world, you know, there's there's a pure. I can't remember the name of the software. There's a pure software defined radio out there manufacturer in the ham radio world. I can't remember. Can't remember the name of the manufacturer. Uh, escapes me. But it's a black box, and you run it into a monitor, and and all the you know the software does all the processing instead of all these knobs and stuff and buttons. It's all it's all on the screen. Yep, exactly. So let's take a look at what what you have now too because you said you've got eight dongles you started off with the the garbage gray plastic oversized mm-hmm. right dongles with probably mcx connectors on it that nobody yep. has in a toolkit yep. with which came with more controls by the way which were the first things that hit the garbage what other rtl based sdrs are you uh, are you using well i've got i'm using those new um, i like those just for the form factor i like those little new alex they're just this little cube, and they still do have the MCX connector on there. And I'm using those, but I, the only ones I get are those temperature compensated ones, for sure. So I've, I've got a lot of those. And, you know, for all this receiving I'm using, I'm still just using those stock 10-inch telescoping antennas. I'm not, I've and that's got the a, magic, though, too. Yeah, I've you got a, a disc cone in the attic. It doesn't buy me performance, really, at all. 
versus just using the straight 10 inch telescoping on a, on a, on a cookie sheet, basically, you know, a, mm-hmm. a tin cover for a, a ground plane. Right. And again, if you're listening to a trunk system that's got blanket coverage, really, you know, designed for 95%, you know, hip, uh, hip use, right? There's no benefit really on going with an outdoor antenna. If you've, if you've got a good receive off of what you've got, then, then go for it. You know, you, you're not going to buy yourself anything. But again, if you're looking to do more of a conventional world or listen to something that's further out, then, then yeah, obviously you will need the outdoor antenna. But that's the other thing too. I mean, it's, and again, my step is that way too. I'm listening to my local county. I don't need my outdoor antenna. The, the 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 trunk system comes in great here in my in my basement. So what do I have? Oof, I just use the antenna off the back of the scanner, and it's it's exactly the same as having it plugged in outdoors. Right, right. So yeah, what else I, using? the ADSB. That one I did buy the dedicated dongle from FlightAware because it has filters in there, and I think it's got an amp in there, and that that I will say I know it's kind of a plug, but it does make a big difference on uh, range. I've also got mm-hmm. the dedicated 1090 megahertz antenna for that too. Also, big impact. Yep. And that's that's probably about it for for most dongles that I'm using. It's um, it's I've also done some other related projects with the dongles, uh, not necessarily related to scanning, but still listening to radio frequencies. I've got um, people out there, you know, your your gas meters and water meters, the smart ones that mm. are being replaced. Yes. Those are out on the, what is it, the ISM band, which is up in 900 megahertz territory, I think. I could be wrong on that, but there's free software out there for monitoring that. I've got one of them that runs a job every night on my Raspberry Pi 2 that goes out and scans my water meter because I know what number it is when looking at it. And I can see how much water I've used over uh, every day or a month. And uh, I, take that data and run it into an SQL file and I can graph that. Also, um, same thing with gas meter too. I can see just uh-huh. for kicks and I can see all, you know, I can see a bunch of gas meters from my neighbors because when it's scanning, you can see different meter numbers, but I, right. I know which one's mine because I went out and looked at it and said, okay, there's the number. So I, I've done that. And I've also played around with some, I, um, I'm near a kind of a busy railroad is about a mile from me. There's people using these RTLs for, monitoring trains looking at uh, what's known as end-of-train detectors or mm-hmm. transmitters. Mm-hmm. And that that's kicking out some telemetry. And some guy is out there, he's figured out what the telemetry is and he's got a decoder. So I'm starting to do that now with the RTL to see how many trains are going by. So I can count how many different signals I get and do some, do some uh, processing to see, okay, there's a block of signals, a block of signals. Each block of signals is a train. So you can say how many trains are going by each day. Interesting. <laughs> it's just it's a lot you can do. I mean, it, I've seen people do passive radar with these things too. Like they'll they'll point one antenna at a known uh, signal, like a FM transmitter tower, right, for broadcast FM. And then they'll point a secondary antenna at a busy intersection. And based off of the reflection, they'll see how many cars are passing through an area. Sure. So it's 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 ridiculous what people are coming up with. Even as far as I know, there's there's SDRs that can transmit. You know, what Hack RF is one of them. Yeah. But there's 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 uh, I guess over on the RTL SDR blog, they've got this uh, four uh, directional finding SDR that that's got software that can tell you which direction the signal's coming in. And then some people are doing 
you know, crazy stuff with uh, weather sensors or, or just looking at key fobs or the uh, sensors. Tire pressure monitors. Yep. Yep. I can read those. I found that software too. I can scan my car's tire, (laughs) tire pressure monitors. Yeah, even by that, you can just scan how many TPMs are, are, are going past the house, and you know how many cars are on your street. You know, it's, right? It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it is amazing with what the it's a side effect of all these software developers. They come home at night and they say, "Well, let me. What if I could do this?" And they take their knowledge and apply it and say, "And it's amazing what they'll put out in GitHub." Yes, yes. But again, too, you have people who are doing these kinds of things. And then this is how they get involved in the scanner radio hobby because they, they are, you know, it's like the, the hackaday type of thing. And you, you find this type of project on hackaday.com. And then the next thing you know, they go, Oh, I can listen to the police and, and, and fire traffic. Oh, let me just tune that in really quick. You know, so a lot of people find their way in that way. Yeah. And if I was, you know, if I was you and if I was out by, you know, one of the coastal areas, I'd be trying to, I'd be grabbing one of these things to try and pull some AIS traffic off boats. Yes. Because yes. here in Minnesota, I'd have to go up up to Lake Superior where there's, there's big ships and that have their AIS equipped. But uh, if I lived up by there, I'd be scanning that for sure and then plotting that on some map or something to monitor ship traffic. Yeah, I, I, I used to be right on the bay when I was at my parents' house, but for the last 18 years, I've been right in the middle of the island, so my reception's kind of dived down a little bit, so I changed, I changed over to uh, aviation because I'm right right near a couple of airports. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 amazing the kind of things that are that are being picked up here. So even, I don't know if you play around with it too, but you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the guys get very interested now in these geosynchronous GO satellites because they're just ta- constantly downloading data images and and you know weather data and that kind of stuff so whatever part of any type of hobby you want now it seems like sdr is making their way into it yep i've done that too i've, I've used i use the rsp1 to pull uh, NOAA weather satellite data you know they've got all the sites out there that'll show you the pass and mm-hmm. uh, i hook that into the disc cone and if that thing is going to come over my house i can pull a pretty good signal off that thing it's amazing that and uh, it is I've been able to pull off um, slow scan TV off the ISS when they've been transmitting. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's all SDR. That's all. And, you know, it's stuff like that. Here's what's awesome about SDR. You've got the waterfall. You've got the spectrum. You've talked about Doppler shift before. You can see it. And that's, yes. that's something you can do with a hardware radio with just a basic LCD screen. I can see as this thing's approaching me, I can see the frequency change. It's on top of me and I can see the frequency change as it's shifting past me. So you can visually see this isn't just made up stuff. This is really happening. Right. Exactly. And you can compensate for it or you can even run software that will plug into SDR sharp that will compensate for the drift for you. So all you have to do is set up your SSTV decoding software. Let Orbitron feed SDR Sharp, and you can come back in, in you know the next day and see all the SSTV images that you've downloaded from the ISS as it passes overhead. Yeah. So it's it's almost to the point where it's fun, but it doesn't have that challenge anymore. Right. <laughs> so, but but if it wasn't for times. SDR, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't even attempt it because you really? need the visual to see. Hey, I can see this thing drifting. I can see mm-hmm. the signal coming in. I can see the signal getting stronger. It's getting closer. Oh, I need better change my bandwidth here so I capture it all. And right. I can move the bandwidth along as the you know it's picking up the scan. So it's like yeah, I say, it's, you it's don't, learning. You don't, need, you don't need the SDR, though, to pick up SSTV. I've, I've done it plenty of times with just the ICOM uh, PCR 1500. 
I just park that on the downlink frequency and just let it go. So I just, you know, let it run 24 seven with the squelch wide open and it picks up good enough. You know, you're going to get some artifacts in there. It's not gonna be perfect, but I don't have a Yagi antenna pointed at the ISS either. So I'm still going to get artifacts in there. Right. So, but right. it's, but it's, it's just to know you're doing this kind of stuff with a $30 piece of hardware as opposed to a $600 piece of hardware is, is crazy. It is. Yeah, it, it is amazing. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every scanner reader user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers, having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works, the podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, 
FRS, MURS, and 2A radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. And let's talk dollars and cents here because you you, sure. you you were, were saying that you had a $350 handheld radio, right? The 325P2. Mm-hmm. And that worked semi-okay for you. But you don't know what you're missing until you know what you're missing, right? You don't know what you don't know until you don't know what you don't know. And it wasn't until you started tuning around with Unitronker that you discovered that you were missing conversations, really. You had an idea, right, that you were missing conversations because you'd hear the radio drop out. But you don't know what you're not picking up if the scanner never goes there. So that was an investment of, say, what, $30, right? $35 to get it delivered to your door. And the software was free. right? And then you go ahead and you throw in a second, which isn't required anymore either, right? Right. But say you throw in that second dongle. Now you're at, what, $65, $70 tops? And... That is working much better than your $350 radio. And with everything that you can do with the software now, that's putting the SDS 200 and the 100 to a challenge in my book. I, I couldn't agree more. I, and I liked the 325P2. I liked it. The interface was okay. But I'm like, this would be great. I can take it. It's portable. I've got you mm-hmm. know conventional. I've got great band coverage. But based on what I was seeing, and then I remember you saying on one of your podcasts that, I got an SDS 100 sitting next to it here, and right next to it I've got, uh, I don't know if it was a 996P2, and you're like, I'm missing stuff on that. And you said it was, I remember it was like 50% of the calls. It was pretty remarkable difference. Yeah, it was up there. I, I compared my TRX-1 to a 325 to a 436 to the SDS 100, and yeah, it was very shocking to see how how different they all perform. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so what are your plans for the future for uh, software-defined radios? Would you have any other projects up your sleeve, or are you kind of content right now? I'm kind of content right now. I I did buy. I still have this desire to put this stuff on a small mini computer like a Raspberry Pi or similar to. And I I bought um, a different mini computer. I bought something called an Odroid XU4. And the reason I got it is because it's got lots of horsepower. Because if I'm going to run trunk recorder, I need lots of horsepower to manage those, you know, different recorders. And I've had some success with it, but I haven't been able to quite get it to where I want yet. I'm still having some issues. It's got a, it runs a different flavor of Linux. Mm-hmm. So you know how different Linux versions are. I've got Ubuntu on on a couple of the other ones, and uh, this is a different flavor of of Linux customized for that little computer yeah once you get started into that that's kind of where you start running the problems i mean again that was the same deal with with the raspberry pi was it didn't run ubuntu it ran you know the raspbian pi or something like that and then it had something else that it ran so it's uh it's tailored to to that specific hardware yeah yeah so that's kind of where i'm at right now i'm just i keep playing around with trunk recorder because trunk recorder is a bear to set up with if you got multiple dongles, you gotta you gotta try and set your right frequency range for each one. And I keep tweaking with that because you can't you create these 
these frequency blocks, you know, a spectrum that you measure, uh, cover, and you don't want them to overlap each other. And I, I keep playing around with that and basically just tuning it for lack of a better term and playing around with some of the other settings to see if I get better performance. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I still have to run that on the old laptop. The other, other the Raspberry Pi can't handle it. And again, too, you're, you're running it on a 12 year old laptop. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does that tell you? You don't yeah. need something crazy. You know, again, you said you bought this other supercomputer and, and I just put together a new computer here. I, I, I just have a, I just finally put it together this past weekend. And again, it, it cost me, I'd say close to two grand by the time I threw every piece of hardware into it. But I mean, I built this to be like a big machine. I didn't buy it as, or build it for a budget project. I figure if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it and go all out. And it will be running most of my SDR stuff as well as ProScan and, and other pieces of software, you know, my weather station and stuff like that. But again, like, like you're saying, it's a 12-year-old laptop. And a laptop can just run with the deck closed and it's off in the corner. You know, it's it's a uh, low footprint. Yeah, you don't, you don't need a lot of horsepower. Like I say, it's 12 years old. And when I bought that, I bought basically the cheapest thing I could get back then. It, it's only mm-hmm. got, it's a penny, it's a dual core, two gig of RAM. And I'm running Ubuntu on there and I can run trunk recorder and RDI scanner on there all day and no problem. Right. And that's one thing I wanted to touch up with you too as well. And, and you keep, you keep dropping the hint and reminding me and we keep getting sidetracked on here, but operating systems, right? We said, you know, your first mistake, right? We joked around about was Windows. And again, I just installed Windows 10 on this machine because it's a forced necessity in the scanner radio world to have Windows, right? Everything runs on a Windows. Whereas in the software defined radio world, as you hinted before, a lot of the software is cross platform, not all of it. But a lot of the software is will work on multiple platforms. And again, if, if there is no software that's across platform, there is a solution for the other platform. So like GQRX will run fine on Linux and also on your Macintosh, you know, your 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 Apple Mac, right? I was in Macintosh, date myself on that one. But so so you can run SDR software on on you know all three machines here. And that's how I think you're you're stretching the the lifespan of that old laptop is by falling back onto Linux and, and not using something that's, you know, I assume you're not running the the graphical user interface, right? You're probably just running the command lines to launch all the software. No, oh, I am using the, the GUI. It's, it, oh, you the are? Ubuntu, okay. Ubuntu is, is on GUI, and I launch from terminal windows. Gotcha, gotcha. Because i got to have two again, things you're, going, you're, going on at the same time. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I always use the, the ampersand. In in oh, uh, sure. terminal, yeah, you could do it that way too. <laughs> yep, yep. But yeah, I made plenty plenty of scripts in in the uh, in the old uh, DOS DOS batch file days, and, and also Linux. So it, it's another fun part of the project. But so so you find out most of the stuff because we're, we're going through your hardware, right? And Raspberry Pi, or Raspberry Pi, and this other piece of software you have here, and also your laptop. Now it sounds like you're pretty much in a Linux environment when it comes to your Raspberry Pis. Yes, Raspberry Pi, and that's what the software I'm sorry, that I like I mean, right I mean, now. I SDRs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the SDRs, yeah. And that just seems to where these developers are doing this stuff is inside Linux. Mm-hmm. Like, say, the trunk recorder, OP25. SDR trunk is the only one that you could go between, like, say, it's platform agnostic because it's a Java applet. Um, right, you can right. run it on Windows or you can run it inside Linux environment. But that's, that's just the environment where it is. And... um the documentation on some of these developer sites is is pretty good, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of head scratching and what do they mean by this and 
What, is, what does this right. do if I, you know, they pass all the variables on the command line. So there's a lot of experimentation, like, and, and there's, there's been some late nights where I just, you know, you get frustrated and say, I'll come back to it some other day. Right. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes getting up and, and, and doing something different and coming back to it makes the light bulb go on. I've been, I've, I've had plenty of those types of experiences. And again, like you said, oh, I forgot the semicolon at the end of the line and, and that's enough to break the code. I've I've had that happen too many times, and even as many times as it happens to you, you still forget. And you still, uh, like I said, no. you, you, you you better off taking the hammer in the garage to your to your, right. to your thumb. And and Linux is even more literal, I found, than than Windows. You know, Linux oh, is yeah. case, yeah. case sensitive. Case sensitive, yes. You get you get it wrong, it just isn't going to work. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's it is. 100% case sensitive. But again, that makes, that makes Linux, you know, interesting too. Plus there's a lot more you can do with it. I mean, I've, I've, I've done some crazy stuff with, with Linux back in when I was really into it, but uh, it is fun. But again, you're not dedicated to just Linux when it comes to the software defined radio. So that shouldn't stop anybody either from doing it. But again, too, maybe it could be a nice little gateway drug into Linux and learning how that operates because Linux isn't scary. It's it's not one of these operating systems that it's got a bad rap that, you know, it's it's all, you know, it's it's difficult to learn, but it's especially with an operating system like Ubuntu, and you have that GUI interface and it was built around to get you used to going from Windows into Linux. You learn, you know, most people learn how to use their Android or their iPhones. I mean, it's it's almost kind of the same, right? You just learn to use something that's slightly different. Right, right, yeah, and 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 you know from the the other like I say when I I've got that uh, RSP one with the SDR Uno software that's you know that's their software defined interface for mm-hmm. the for their black box that is uh, to me that is one of the best I'd call probably intermediate level SDR user interfaces for, for what it can do. Yes, you can do it. You can do rudimentary scanning on there. You can say I I've set up a bank of DMR. Areas where I, to capture because I, I'm not capturing that on the RTLs, so I can click on there and run that output through DSD Plus and listen to DMR traffic on there all day, every day using using their interface and and you can see it scanning back and forth and you can you can really tweak your settings. You can set delays. You can you can there's just a lot more detail you can do in there and it's got the, the benefit of the easy user interface. So I've spent plenty of time on there. You know, scrolling through VHF and up to UHF and see is there is there something like you've alluded to the gold is in in the searches and yes. and yep. the secrets are in hey, the searches exactly. I've never found this. What is this frequency? Oh, this is somebody's talking here. I'm like, what is this? It's not listed in right. radio reference. Okay, and I can record there too if I want. So I think that's a great great piece of software that they've got there too. I mean, their software is is phenomenal. And what's really nice about it, too, if you have a couple of minutes, what you can do, too, is if you don't have their hardware, is you can interface it to a, a new ELEC or the RTL blog version 3 or something else so that you can understand how their software works. It's not fully functional because there's specific things that the horse the horsepower is not there in, in, in the SDR. But it is amazing software that they have, and it's, it is – it's beautiful. Yeah. And like I say, they've got a built-in scanning module in there that's just for scanning mm-hmm. and load in your different frequencies and just scan through there and watch it. And you can set your sensitivity levels. So if yep. the signal's really strong and um, and like I say, the big the big part of SDR to me is I can see the signals. I can see if they're strong. I can even you can look at a signal even tell if it's digital or analog or if it's analog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can just how it just pops on, it's off, and then it's this narrow band is a wide band. 
Right. And that it's, reminds me too. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you, the, like the first thing I get somebody to do when they, when they get an SDR set up is tune to the FM broadcast band, right? Right. And what's the first thing you see? Well, you see the FM broadcast signal, but you also see off to the sides, the HD radio uh-huh. carriers that are off on the sides. And again, you don't, you, and again, who thinks about HD radio? If you live in a world like I have, I don't have any HD radios, but again, with an SDR, guess what I can tune into? I have to exactly. buy the HD that's, radio that's, interface. There's, yep, and there's software out there for decoding. I believe it's yes. NRSC. There's another, it's um, the Linux, and I think there's even on Windows, you can run, do NRSC 5, it's called, and you can listen to HD signals. Yeah. Because you know, each, each station, some of the stations will have three or four sub stations. It's amazing. Yeah. Yep. And uh, again, you would never know it existed. And when you start tuning in the band on, and it's very easy to see, it's like, oh, you know, th- there's something else here. What is this? Yeah. And that's some, sometimes that's just enough of a carrot hanging, you know, dangling in front of somebody to say, okay, go find that now. Go, go play, go poke around. Yeah. And, uh, it really does, really does, uh, get somebody interested in finding something new. But again, too, even software like FMP24, which is part of the DSD plus package, I helped somebody recently over a tutoring call set up. DSD plus and he's like well show me what else is out there and I said okay let's go look and we just started clicking you know through the spectrum and he's like oh this and we start look what frequency is this what frequency is that and we look at the uh, the database we find out oh no that's that's supposed to be for your local hospital it's down the road mm-hmm. it's an analog channel but I'm seeing a, a moto turbo control channel here hey mm-hmm. they must have switched from analog to, to DMR but nobody's ever updated the database why don't you listen to this for a while and see if you start hearing security on there, and then you can go ahead and submit the uh, the updates. So, um, you know, it's again what you're saying to be able to see the signal, to be able to see things over time. Again, it's it's one of these deals that, and, and what I like too about SDR, and, and I've been saying this for a while too, is just because there's encryption out there, right, doesn't mean that the hobby is dead. And, oh no, and there's like plenty to, of content out there. And, and exactly right. And that's how you find it, right? And again, too, just because your favorite TV shows off the air, does that mean there's nothing to watch on TV, right? Like That's what I like to say. That's what I like to compare it to. And if you grab an SDR, you'll see just how much more there is out there. Yeah, okay, your favorite TV show is no longer on the air anymore, right? But, I mean, years have gone by since that, that TV show has aired. You, you Okay, you can't catch the police department on reruns like you could on, on a TV show. But – there's other things to watch. And if you're watching a waterfall display on an SDR, you will find other things that pique your interest. Like, for example, I was listening to something I thought I'd never listened to before was um, the local NXDN trunk system had school buses on it. And again, it's you know, who cares about listening to school buses and they do their morning pickups. But it was entertaining because they would think like, you know, they can't pick up Billy today because they're running five minutes late. Somebody better call the house before and then you go, somebody better. You know, I got reamed out because nobody called Billy's mommy to tell him I was running late or, or you find out, you know, the roads are really bad or, you know, the whole fleet is late or, you know, and you just find out how bad the traffic is in certain areas just by listening. So instead of having to hear about the car accidents on the police band, you're getting it from the bus drivers because right. they're the ones that are out there driving the local roads. Right. So the commentary is 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 beautiful on it. So again, it just gives you something different to listen to. It's a different yeah, perspective. A lot of the towing around here is on DMR. So mm-hmm. bad day, snow, you know, all, all it takes is an inch of snow on the road and there's going to be you know, accidents and stuff. And you can hear the tow guys go here, dispatch this, and you can hear all their commentary on what they see or what they don't see. And it's pretty interesting. 
Right. And a lot of what I like to do too is when we go back to the unit trunkers and stuff like that is, is lock out all the talk groups and then wait to see what comes up new, right? Or define the talk groups. And especially when a new system is being built, right? We, we have a couple of new systems here in the area that are, that are, that are, that are being phased out and replaced by P25 systems. And just to be able to go in there and say, okay, this is new now and just start logging those talk groups or finding out what radio IDs are on existing talk groups that you've already defined and then marrying them up to the new talk groups that you don't know because maybe they are encrypted talk groups. And you can say, well, that must be surveillance uh, narcotics because I see those narcotic radios on another talk group that's labeled narcotics. Again, these are visibilities that you don't normally get on a scanner because most scanners will just, you know, like the unit in lines, will, they'll mute out the encryption, right? They'll just move on. And again, I don't want to listen to it on Unitrunker or DSD Plus or or trunk SDR, but I want to know it's there because I want to document it and I want to see who's using it. So it gives you, again, the secrets are in the searches. So even though I'm not listening to it, I still know what's going on. And again, I have a whole system here with all the PD is, is encrypted, but I went through the entire system here and I marked down because I could figure out by just by looking at the radio IDs, what they were each, the radio IDs were lined up to a certain car. And I was able to find out, okay, well, these radio IDs for, fit the format of 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 vehicles and i break out my my scanner radio digest book whatever it was that i have and i look at the unit numbers and i say okay well that's this kind of rate uh this kind of this is the humvee and this is the esu unit and this, so this must be a you know a operational channel for esu when it might you know it might be their extreme ops channel or something you know just for example like that or you find, you know, the paddy wagon or, or something, you know, it must just be for the medical examiner. So there's, there's other things out there that necessarily you don't get hits on all the time, but they, you do see somebody register on that channel. And sometimes it's a, it's a glitch, right? You, you, you just decode something wrong, but you find that out really quickly too, because as months go by, you know, all you have is one hit on one talk group with one radio ID. Okay. We filter that one back out, but to see stuff like call to call, or radio denials, those are cool. Or to watch a system actually melt down, you don't see that on a radio because you don't know what's happening. But you will see nothing but red text on DSD Plus that says registration fails. Right? All, I've seen that walls before. Of text. Yes, I've seen it before too. I haven't seen it a lot like, where you see where it must be somebody <laughs> must be trying to key up and it's like, sorry, there's no frequencies open right now. Right. Well, but I've seen it though where where this the. The police are on now where you know they're encrypted, but before they actually roll completely over, they were simulcasting on UHF and mm-hmm. it was dead quiet. And I'm looking at the trunk system and it's just a wall of red. And I'm like, Yeah, somebody at Motorola is getting a phone call in the morning. They <laughs> haven't already gotten one right now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's it's um there is some interesting out like say well, you can do that with SDR where you can see, hey, there's a signal. Whereas, you know, I grew up when probably you did too, is how do you find stuff? Well, you grab the scroll wheel and you keep scrolling through till you hear something. And maybe you right. see something, maybe you find something, maybe you don't. But if something popped up you just went past, you won't know it back in the old days. Now you can go, wait a minute, I was just there and I just saw a transmit, you know, just almost peg the meter on the on the uh, spectrum display. Let me go back there. There is something there. And you can mark mm-hmm. it and put it in your scan bank on the SDR software and say, if it pops up again, it'll stop there. And you know what's a perfect example of that is aviation and mill air because they come and go so quickly that if you don't have, again, if your scanner's in search mode, you may miss it because it's the other end of the, do- of the spectrum. 
but your waterfall over time will show you repeat hits over the last couple of minutes, and then you can find out what's going on there. Again, like you said, you put that frequency now into a scan list on a regular scanner or another SDR running, you know, soft with a scan list on there, and you can start finding out, oh, there, there's there's new activity in my area. So kind of helps you out exactly what you're saying you can see things and it really does help you out with the visuals and 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 seeking things out yeah and then like i say you get to the you know like the rsp1 here where you've got 10 megahertz of band you can mm -hmm. see instead of just seeing two 2.4 or 2.5 megahertz rsp1 i can see 10 megahertz that's a pretty exactly. big swath yes and that was my first that was my first um realization that i was getting a little bit overboard with the sdr hobby um, <laughs> was what wasn't the fact that i was buying boxes full of the original dvb dongles that now are in a waste pile somewhere but when i first sat down i went you know what i'm gonna buy myself an air spy you know sure. that was my first investment okay 199 I'm, I'm really spending some money now on this and again it was i think it's five megahertz and 10 megahertz depending on which software you would use but to be able to pull that information off the air was like holy cow it, it was enough where because my nine to five job was with at&t and, and i was mm -hmm. like well i can i can build these now we're buying these you know um, spectrum analyzers and stuff like that to look at the lte signal and i'm like we're spending thousands of dollars on this and i just bought a $200 receiver and I'm using this free software and look what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the LTE signal. That's all I'm looking at though. Cause it's only 10 megahertz wide, mm -hmm. but I can see the signal in there and see if anything else is interfering with it for $200. Right. But again, now all of a sudden, uh, you know, you start really spending more money and, and, and I have two air spies and the, uh, the SDR Uno and a, and a hack RF and okay. a stack of new Alex and a stack of the RTL blog V threes. You just keep buying. Cause again, it's like you, you buy, you buy the more expensive hardware that does more. So you can free up more of the smaller pieces right. so that you can do other projects with them. And again, just like you, I've got the, um, the FlightAware dongle, right? I've got yep. the, the 1090 for that. Mm -hmm. And I have a new elect plugged into there to do the UAT stuff. Okay. And again, I've got that on a dedicated Pi on the, on the, on the two antennas that FlightAware sells. And so it's, and again, these are all tiny little projects and you can just keep adding and just keep adding and keep adding and you don't destroy the other stuff you have. So again, the Piware stuff, $65 for a Raspberry Pi. Was it like thirty five dollars for the for the one dongle, and then uh, you need a, a micro SD card and a power supply and a case for the Raspberry Pi. All said and told, what one hundred twenty five dollars, maybe one hundred fifty tops. Yeah, with a case, and a little power got, supply. Yeah, and 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 you've got yourself a you know your own ADSB decoder, and then you say, well, you know, for another thirty dollars, let me just slap on the uh, the new Elect dongle and I can decode UAT, which is exactly what I did. Yep, you know, because it's not going to cost me much much more at that point, and all of a sudden it's like. This have I looked at it in the last couple of weeks? No, but it's still feeding information, <laughs> so right, it's yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah, you, you go on the FlightAware's website and say, "Yep, I'm feeding it. Yeah. It's it's showing hits. It's it's receiving signals." Yep. But not only FlightAware, you can open up, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's 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 that it's documented that you can feed that to FlightRadar24, and mm -hmm. you can run Plane Plotter, and you can send it to what's the other one that uh, ADSB Exchange, right? You can set up ADSB Exchange, and again, one piece of hardware now has given you what three premium memberships, you know, right. uh, between FlightAware, ADSB Exchange, and, and FlightRadar24. So. At that point, your monthly, what you what you're saving monthly on a premium membership on all those sites, is cheaper than the one time 
cost it costs you for the hardware. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with it. So this is again just the tip of the iceberg. And as you can tell from our conversation, it's it's pretty exciting and and even though we're both doing a lot with them, there's still a lot more out there we're not doing. I would agree that it, some of this is in its infancy. It's going to just keep getting better and better. And, you know, someone's going to come up with better hardware. Hey, I can see 50 megahertz of, of bandwidth here all the time. And you're like, okay, wow, mm-hmm. that's, and they don't need to and pipe it into the software. But it's it's really going to be the software that that owns it. And and who can do yeah. that, whether it be a hobbyist level, somebody, a privateer who does it on their own time, or if it's an actual company like Unit or Whistler says, we're going to make the UI, we're going to commit money to this, we're going to do updates, it'll be interesting. Yep, it definitely, definitely is. So with all that said, is there anything else that, uh, that you got up your sleeve? No, not in terms of SDR. That's probably, I'm probably maxed out right now for that, unless I learn more. Uh, but Greg, I want to thank you so much for, again, this was your idea. So I want to thank you for for reaching out to me and 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 volunteering your time to be a guest on the podcast if anybody's got any questions about what you're doing is there any way that somebody can find you either via you know a, a twitter feed or or a website or or something like that I, I don't have a website i do have a twitter handle which i'll i'll give to you here uh, you can put in the show notes and uh, i'll give you an email too that people can reach out if they are stuck on something and and uh or just have some general questions we can do that perfect Perfect. Yeah, we'll we'll add that to show notes and also on the uh, the post roll that's that's coming up right after we you and I split. But uh, again, I want to I want to thank you for taking the time and and uh, spending was about a, a little bit more than an hour, I guess, at this point, uh, discussing the exciting world of software defined radios. No problem, Phil. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me and appreciate your efforts on the show. All my pleasure. Thank you so much. Greg, thank you so much for being a guest on today's podcast and sharing how you got started with the software defined radio. And reminding me about how easy things are today when we talk about software to find radios. It's it was fun trading stories with you about how when we first both of us got started with software to find radios, it, just how difficult things were and how unstable the hardware was. And thinking about how the hardware and the software has matured to where it is today it is so much better than it used to be. And if anybody was afraid to start because of all the stuff they've heard about how difficult things were. I hope that the stories that you and I traded today kind of put those those um, those thoughts at ease with anybody who's still struggling or thinking about getting into a software-defined radio part of the hobby. And if anybody's interested in getting into SDR, again, I have a free webinar coming up at scannerschool.com slash webinar. We're going to talk all about software-defined radios and also our courses at courses.scannerschool.com where we have a free SDR training course. Now, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, just like Greg was, and share what it is you're doing or talk about something that interests you in this hobby. Again, there's a lot that goes on in the Scanner Radio hobby. I've had plenty of podcast guests, and I would love to have you on the podcast as well. Go to scannerschool.com and click on guest on the top of the page. Now, again, you can download the session notes by going to scannerschool.com slash session 168. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get all of the podcasts delivered directly to your podcast player. Or if you're listening to us on YouTube, make sure you click on the subscribe button and click on the bell so when next week's podcast comes out, you are notified. And if you want to help us help more people, the easiest way to do so is just by sharing 
the podcast. Share this podcast with your friends, your social media channels. Retweet our tweets on Twitter and just follow us around and just give us a like and a share, et cetera, et cetera. That helps more people discover the podcast. And in turn, we can help more people with the scanner radio hobby. Again, that is our goal here. And we need your help to help us reach our goal. So with that, my name is Phil Lichtenberger. And this is Scanner School. We teach you everything you know about the scanner radio hobby. We'll catch you all again next week. 73.